When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Please note there are some very emotional scenes within this podcast that may not be suitable for everyone. Sometimes I see my dad in me where I can be quite abusive towards him. Does that scare you? Yeah. Yeah. You look sad. Yeah, because... It's all right, sweetheart. Because I know that for him, I mean, his... His upbringing was totally different. Hello and welcome to How Did We Get Here, the podcast where myself, Claudia Winkleman, and my friend, the very brilliant Professor Tanya Byron, identify difficulties faced by real-life parents and family members in special face-to-face sessions. In each episode, Tan talks to someone in a private room and I listen in from the producer's cubicle, making notes so I can ask Tan afterwards to explain why she's gone down a particular path. So don't be alarmed if I stop tape, i.e. pause, to pick Tanya's brains. This time we meet Sharla. She's a 30-year-old teacher who has a husband and one-year-old daughter named River. Sharla came to us because she's struggling with the demands of full-time work and having a family. River is a much longed for child. Sharla had four miscarriages previously and she feels very guilty about wanting a career instead of being a stay-at-home mum. Sharla discovers that the way she reacts to the pressures of her work-life balance are linked to the unpredictability of her childhood and her relationship with her mother. The birth of your daughter, which has been an incredible event in your life, has really floored you because... Her arrival in your life has made you begun to feel you're not in control of anything. Yeah, you nailed it. What you are about to hear are key parts of a one-time, unscripted session with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on useful links and contacts, some of which you will find in the programme notes of this episode. Let's go and meet Sharla. I'll wait for the door to go. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming in today. You're welcome. Why are you here? Mainly just because um, I've really underestimated being a parent and now I'm in it. I'm kind of struggling, navigating, finding myself. Yeah. Now I'm I'm dealing with someone else as well. Also, I, f- I find that like within my community, like with Afro-Caribbean culture, it's, it's really rare that you're allowed to really talk about how you're struggling. And so I like to try and think I could be a voice for other mums from my community who need support, but they're too afraid to speak out about it. What did you think it was going to be like? Did you literally think, I'll give birth, fine, take the baby everywhere? I just thought it wouldn't change me as a person much, what I prioritise. And also I thought that because I wasn't doing it like as a single parent, and my partner is very supportive. I thought it would be okay. There's two of us. But what I've realised is actually mums do about 95% of it. 
They um, do. Yeah. They really do. I mean, however wonderful the man is, often the baby wants the mummy or maybe yeah. you just feel all the pressure on on you. Are there moments where you just go, this is too much? Yeah. More recently, because I've just gone back to work. And how are you finding that? It's just exhausting. Um, she's still not sleeping through the night. And even like this morning, she was in hysterics. She didn't want me to leave her. So, yeah. And how do you find your time when you're away from her? Because lots of mums choose when to go back to work and often they have to go back when the baby's six weeks, maybe yeah. a year and a half. I know some people quite like the time to yeah. themselves and others just can't be away from their baby. How How are you in that? So I went back part-time I teach so I was doing some private training but I started that when she was about three months which in hindsight is crazy like I don't know what I was doing now being back full-time the new problems are just spending quality time with her because by the time I'm with her my brain's so fried that I just want to sit in front of the TV and I'm I'm really against her being one of these children who just watch TV. And so I'm trying to force myself to read a book or play or do something. But that can be tiring. Yeah. When you're halfway through making a, you know, a fort out of cereal packets and you just go, (laughs) do you know what, I'd just like to have a lie down. Yeah. I think it's brilliant you're here. Thank you so much. Because so many people go, oh, baby, fine. And... We believe there's a sort of fairy tale that it's easy as pie and it's fantastic you've come in to talk about how it's affecting you. So thank you so much. And I'm going to send uh, Tarn in. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm Tanya. Charla, nice to meet you. I was just listening to you talking to Claude. It sounds like you're saying, I just need somebody to help me find my balance. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I definitely think I've lost myself a bit in playing all these roles. I think I was a lot worse before when she, when I was at home. Cause when I, you say worse, tell me what you mean by that, sweetheart. My mental health was just going that real down. Um, right. And I really struggled with being a stay-at-home mum. And I love my daughter so much. And But you feel guilty even saying that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I can see and that. I feel... It's even funny when other mums go, um, oh, my God, I didn't think I was going to cry. It's all right, darling. When other mums say things like, how is it being a mum? And my first reaction is, I'm just always tired. And then they look at me like, what What do you mean? You're always like, like, they don't expect that response. They expect me to be, oh, it's amazing, my daughter. And so, yeah, there's a lot of guilt. I see that. But you're sort of beating yourself up that you're not this... Earth mother who's just saying, oh, I just want to be with my child all the time. I mean, you're, it sounds to me you're also doing the working mother guilt here as well. Prior to the pregnancy, is there a bit of you that has felt vulnerable at times? I did um, grow up in a house where there's quite um, abusive, verbally abusive, um, domestic violence towards my mum. Right, from your... From my dad's father, right. Um, and so, and you that, witnessed that, did you? Yeah. From what age? As, as young as I can remember. So that until was... they got divorced, I was about fifteen. Oh, so that's a long time, and that, and so that's traumatic. Yeah, it's definitely impacted my relationship with my dad growing up, um, and then as an adult, when my mum remarried and brought a new man into the house, that's when at eighteen I was asked to leave the family home. You were asked to leave? Yeah. Why was that? Just because I didn't get on with him really well. 
What and what was it about him that you struggled with? He was in the house and um, kind of tried to take over. And so I rebelled against that a lot. And my mum just didn't like it because in her eyes, this was now her happiness mm. that I was impacting on. When I turned 18, it was okay. You can, you're grown up now. Go. And what does that feel like? Does that feel like your mum's rejecting you in favour of someone else? Yeah, that, how, how, how did that feel? It was really tough and it did really strain our relationship and to this day it's still strained because of it. In what way do you think? I think my relationship with my mum as I got older mm. is definitely why as well as a mum now I feel the pressure to be this perfect mum. Right, that's absolutely, you've nailed it. As you were just telling me about your childhood, I was thinking you've got a a background and a family and a a childhood and the issue with your mum that I can imagine makes you feel like you are going to do it so differently and you're going to get it just right and it's just going to be so different for your daughter. She's never going to feel what you felt. She's never going to feel afraid. She's never going to hear verbal abuse and you're never going to ask her to leave. Yeah. But that's a pressure what happens to you when you get overwhelmed and tired and anxious? Are you someone who lets it all out or are you someone who just closes down? How would how would I know if I knew you well that you were really struggling? How would your behaviour change? Like friends, I just kind of shut down. But my mister gets it, so... Um, when you say gets it, you mean he understands the aggression. it? Oh, so you become aggressive. Yeah. What um, happens? Just get really snappy with him, really aggravated sometimes I see my dad in me where I can be quite abusive towards him does that scare you yeah yeah you look sad yeah because it's all right sweetheart because I know that for him his upbringing was totally different and words really hurt him and I'm aware of this but because I'm so immune to it. Like, I have to really control my language around him because this is normal to me. It's annoying because I've seen how damaging it can be. But it's difficult, isn't it? When that's normalised for you as a child, when when all you see is that loss of control, when emotions are running high... As much as intellectually you know you don't want to be that person, it's almost like you're saying something, it's like a switch flicks and it all comes pouring out. And is there a part of you that's thinking, as you're being verbally abusive to your partner, I shouldn't be doing this, stop, stop? Or do you just find yourself just in a space where you just can't control it? It's more of a reflection um, where I think, oh, that was really mean. So... You recognise he becomes an emotional punch bag. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Do you worry that you might be a parent like your father was who would just lose it and it might affect her one day? I really hope not. Um, We have talked about that. Um, You and your husband? Yeah, me and my husband um, talked about, we had, like, controlling what we say, how we say things around her. Because he he's he said to me, this will just continue generation to generation if you don't stop 
what you're experiencing is this, it's called transgenerational patterns. We repeat the patterns of the past, even though everything in our heart and soul is telling us to be different. Mm. So then I imagine you must go through a process of utterly beating yourself up. Yeah, because he's such a good man. Do you know what I really admire about you? You're an incredibly self-aware woman and you're incredibly honest. I mean, we've been talking for, what, less than 10 minutes? Yeah. You just get it. So I can see that the issue for you isn't that you just don't understand yourself. You really understand yourself. You're just, I think, quite terrified that you don't know how to change this bit of yourself. Yeah. Because knowing is a big part of solving a problem. We both know that when you're being aggressive with your husband, he knows and you know in that moment, or at least afterwards, it's not really about him. Yeah. So therefore, in order to resolve any issue, what we've then got to do is think, well, what is it really about? Because if we really understand what it's about and we tackle it at that level, then if you like the behaviour that you're displaying, that will then start to shift. So if you take a medical model, your aggression towards your husband is the symptom, right? But as with any medical issue, the symptom is only an indication that something isn't quite right. Mm. So I think what you and I have to do now, today, is we have to think, okay, why is this symptom persisting? Mm. And you've already given me some clues, so I want you to help me with this. You've used the word perfectionist. Mm. You've talked about growing up in a domestically violent household. Mm. You've talked about a sense of rejection and abandonment by your mum. You've talked about huge expectations of motherhood and suddenly thinking you're not fulfilling them. Mm. That's a huge list. Where do we start? Because I think within that, we will find your story. And when we nail your story, we'll then nail the solution. Okay, it's me, Claude. This seems like a good place to stop tape, as I mentioned I might do earlier. I wanted to talk to Tanya because I'm astounded how these chats can start off as one thing and then morph into something else. So I tell you what, you're like some magic... I don't even know what you are. I'm a clinical psychologist, Claudia. That's what you are. (laughs) Well, you're extraordinary because I had a chat with her and I thought... It's lovely that she's come in because I know that lots of women think it's going to be a fairy tale and they will sort of fumble and it's never what we think it is. And she'd been with you for three minutes and then she was in tears and there's a much bigger story there. Now, maybe you'll say that all of us have got a big story, but listening to her, it was, I don't mean to be patronising, but suddenly everything makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Did it feel like that for you when you were talking to her? Yes, it did. I felt here's a woman who she's really self-aware. Yeah. She's very psychologically minded. She really gets herself in lots of ways. But something shifts and she feels helpless and powerless. So I guess when you meet people like that, there has got to be a story. There has got to be a reason because she doesn't want to be the person she becomes when she becomes overwhelmed by anxiety. Okay, good. Let's go back to the interview to see what you both uncover.
<laughs> I don't know where to start. Tell me about being a perfectionist. So many women yeah. have unrealistic expectations of themselves. You are that woman, aren't you? I guess so, yeah. How often do you tell yourself should in your head? I should be doing this. I should have done that. Probably at least four or five times a day. So the word should indicates that you're falling short. Mm. What do you think you're falling short at? Every aspect of my life, there's, there's always something I'm thinking that I could have done better or I should have done it a different way. And what about with your daughter? Um, do you think you sh- you should do things differently? You could be a better mother? I think I've recently started to get back into the swing of being at work, but then it's really impacting how much time I'm spending with her and it really hurts when, like, her nursery or my mum-in-law tells me little steps she's made and I'm just not there to see it and I'm just not aware... And obviously they grow so quickly and I feel like I'm just missing so much. But then when I was at home, I was so overwhelmed with being just at home in that cycle, being at home. Mm. So I don't even know like what the balance is for me that I would be comfortable with. The problem you've got is you're complete, you've completely trapped yourself because there is literally nowhere you could ever be based on your expectations that you're going to feel fine. Because you can't be everywhere. Have you always been this perfectionist with these really unrealistic expectations of yourself? It started from when I was younger, amongst my siblings, I was seen as, like, the dumb one. So my you wrong, right? <laughs> Everyone was well, wrong. on paper now, I'm actually the highest educated, but... Um, Good for you. And it was my, my teachers actually saying, no, you're really good, and I think their confidence in me gave me that, I'm going to prove you look all wrong. Excellent. Now I feel this constant pressure that... Got to keep proving yourself. Yeah. What's the hardest aspect of life at the moment for you? Is it the exhaustion? Yeah. I'm feeling like I'm always compromising how well I'm doing everything because I'm so tired. What's the kind of community-based or cultural-based kind of idea about motherhood that you've been impacted by, do you think? Even if I just look at my mum and my grandmother, there hasn't been much support there from either of them because I think in their heads, well, we did it. You just get on with it. Yeah. As you're talking, and I'm thinking about a little girl living in a family where raised voices and shouting and maybe worse was something that you might have heard quite often. Mm. Were you one of these kids who could desensitise to it quite quickly or were you a child who was kind of very sort of anxious just waiting for the next time there was going to be an explosion? I think in my younger years it was fear, but around when the separation and divorce started happening, Mm. I just started rebelling. I, I just wouldn't go home. I was just always out with my friends. Avoidance yeah. and anger when you were there. Yeah. Just go back to the to the, the child who's afraid. The fear was about what? Can you remember just what that might have felt like when you were little? I mean, I think definitely, yeah, he was very unpredictable. He's the type of man who could shout at you and, and like, 
locking your room and, and not let you out and then in the next breath try and crack a joke with you like nothing had happened mm. and that used to really frustrate me because then if you didn't laugh at his joke he would take it offensive but you've just verbally and then abused angry. me yeah right so your childhood was unpredictable emotionally it was unpredictable yeah. and your response to that when you were little was to be anxious yeah so that to me helps me understand why now you're a woman who feels really, really anxious when you feel out of control. Yeah. And the birth of your daughter, which has been an incredible event in your life, has really floored you because her arrival in your life has made you begun to feel you're not in control of anything. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. So you're right back to that little girl, aren't you? Because mm. that's the person that you become when you start screaming at your husband. Yeah. You become the frightened little girl who then became the angry, rebellious teenager. So it's anxiety, darling, isn't it? Mm. It's almost like you have a massive tantrum. Yeah. Like an that's anxious. What he says. Yeah, like an anxious little girl. Yeah. 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 You didn't know where you were. Mm. It must have been really, really destabilizing for you. Mm. And the reason you're struggling to adapt is because you now feel out of control mm. and it takes you back to the little girl who fell out of control when the household was full of tension and anguish and fear. Mm. Have you ever thought of it like that before? No. Wow. That, might, that makes a lot of sense. Because if you heal that little girl, you'll stop feeling like you have to control everything. Because not being good at everything doesn't mean that the world is going to fall apart. Yeah. But when you were a child, that's what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think we should do about it? Just, yeah, sometimes just letting it be. Um, my husband's very good at that. So maybe I need to take a bit of advice from him. So number one, maybe you want to be able to Allow your husband, include him more, let him be more part of the processes, even if the way he thinks of doing things isn't quite how you would do it. Even you saying that scaring me. Is it? Yeah, you suddenly held your breath when yeah. I said that. Why is that, love? I needed curry powder and he bought something else that was like a type of curry powder, but it wasn't the usual curry powder. And I was like, I don't know what this tastes like. Why have you bought this? And, and you I, lost it. Go back. He went back to the shop and changed it because I just was like, I'm not cooking with this. It's going to ruin the whole dinner. Control, 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 control. And that's linked to fear. Yeah. Okay. If you think in our head, we need little boxes to file different life experiences. You know, that goes in that one, that goes in that box, whatever. You know, you compartmentalise things as a way of managing life. Yeah. And I think you've got two boxes in your head that we need to think about how you're going to grow them. One box is called shit happens <laughs> and the other box is called fuck it. Fuck it, he didn't get the curry powder. <laughs> yeah. What does that sound like to you? A bit reckless. <laughs> Why? I mean, I think it would be reckless if we were talking about your child's safety. Yeah. Being able to sometimes say, oh, fuck it, or, you know what, shit happens, and then move on. Why is that reckless?
You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. What are your strategies? What do you do just to kind of look after yourself, to deal with the stress and the anxiety and the exhaustion? Sometimes I just go to bed or I just watch some trash TV. How much exercise do you do? Not a lot. What's your sleep like? On average, I would say I only get about five hours a day. What time do you go to bed? About two, one, two. Oh, my goodness. Very rare. Yesterday I fell asleep sitting up on the sofa at 7.30 and that is the earliest I've gone to bed in about six, seven years. If I'm in bed before 12, that is a major achievement. So you're exhausted when you wake up? Yeah. Okay, so why don't you go to bed earlier? I just can't sleep sometimes. Because your mind is whizzing, whizzing, whizzing. Okay. If we think about the relationship between exercise, sleep and mental well-being, how do you think you're scoring on the uh, (laughs) self-care scale? Oh, not very high. (laughs) Why do you know why regular exercise is so important, particularly for people who struggle with anxiety? Do you know what it does? Mm-mm. It increases the endorphins, which is a, a chemical in your brain, mm-hmm. and it also has an impact on serotonin, which is the neurochemical associated with mood. Okay. And my instinct is is that your serotonin levels are quite low, so it doesn't take a lot to trigger your mood. Mm. So what we need to think about are lifestyle changes that are going to bang up those levels because you'll find your anxiety levels will come down. Yeah. So that's point number one. Point number two is I never want you to fall asleep on the sofa. I want you to switch off all screens at least an hour before you go to bed. I want you to then have a nice bath, chill out, and I want you in bed before midnight. And I need you to do that religiously because that is going to have a massive impact on your mood. Mm. So that's point number one. Point number two, I think it would be really helpful for you to find some support to talk through the domestic violence you heard and witnessed as a child. Yeah. I'm going to give you some time to think about what we've talked about and then we'll work out what do you need me for now to help you move forward. All right, it's back to us chatting, Claude and Tarn, and our little halftime sum up, if you will. What was so extraordinary is listening to her. I could, I felt like I could hear her just piece it all together as I was listening. When you said you get angry 
because a lack of control is what scared you. I mean, what an extraordinary upbringing she had. And then being asked to leave when she was 18. And all of these things, as you kept on saying, you're a survivor. You're a survivor of domestic abuse. Hmm. And you become that little girl again. And that's what happens when you scream at your husband for getting the wrong curry powder. And she, you could hear her just go, oh. She looks so relaxed. She looks so put together. She's obviously a brilliant teacher, a wonderful mum. Quite like to try her curry. Mm. I imagine it's amazing, the best curry on the street. Everything she's doing is to perfection. And I thought maybe you two were going to have a chat about, oh, yeah, choosing where to put the nappy table is quite hard work. But all of a sudden it took a totally different turn. And the way you put it all together, and of course nobody had looked after that little girl. She's never been looked after. And now the responsibility of looking after her own little girl, it just overwhelms her and it terrifies her. And the anxiety that she's feeling then becomes rage. Yeah. And then the rage she identifies as something she recognises witnessing when she was a child. And the thought that her daughter will see her emulate what she experienced when she was a child terrifies her further, so she becomes more anxious and then there's more rage. And so it's a horrible self-feeding monster. And in a sense, you can only really begin to shift these kinds of behaviours when you really understand what sits behind them. Can we talk about the boxes? We all need these boxes, which is shit happens and fuck it. Yeah, Is that something that you will give to people? As I've seen life and society change, I think what I've seen is the pressure, the pressure that we put on ourselves and the pressure that is put upon children. You know, it's all externalised markers of what it is to be a successful human being. And interestingly, as we're living in an age and a time where, you know, we're probably physically more healthy than we've ever been, mentally we're the least healthy we've ever been. So something isn't working. And I think a fear of failure, a need to be in control, a lack of ability to sometimes go, oh, well, you know, fuck it. Never mind. Maybe I'll do better next time or, oh, well, you know, shit happens. I just, I don't see that so much anymore. Her response to me was, but that feels really reckless. And of course, it would be reckless if you were driving a car. Of course, you you can't. But it's about giving yourself permission to sometimes be good enough, to not be the best at everything, and to recognise that not always being control, control, control doesn't equal the world is going to explode. And it doesn't. What was interesting that I just found fascinating, because I can sometimes be quite horrible to my husband, but you are often, you're often mean Somebody, like you, I think you use the word a punch bag. Mm. So she said, it might not be anything. She said it might be something that's happened to me at the shops. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to get it mm-hmm. and it's going to be him. And that's obviously what her father did. That's exactly right. And we're often the most unpleasant to the people we're the closest to yeah. because they're the least likely to leave us. Yeah. Also, and then I'll get out of the way because I know she's having a drink and a little think and she'll come back in. We should say to parents listening that... Like you say, a cuddle on the sofa, it doesn't always have to be whatever you see, whatever you read. Uh, Let's make this towel and cushion into an alligator. Let's do a puzzle. Let's do that. That can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. 
also for the baby. Maybe mm. I'm just trying to make myself feel better because you know I just like a lie down. A lie down <laughs> but you like to lick your... their necks. But you, you do and you cuddle them a lot and um, just for what it's worth for the public who are listening, your kids are very well adjusted. Your kids, your kids, your kids are just relaxed and loved and that's basically what kids need. They need love and cuddles and... They don't need super mother and super dad. No. They just need space and time. Yeah. That's it. Final thing. For anyone who's listening going, oh, I get really angry as well. Can you teach Charlotte, is there, a, is there an exercise when he comes back with the wrong curry pot? Is there something she can do to stop getting to DEFCON 5? And that's what we're going to do now. I'm going to teach her some anger management techniques. Brilliant. Let's return to the session. Why don't you tell me where you are up to with me? I definitely need to think about the scale of things when I'm feeling things are out of control or um, it's not going right you could let stuff go a bit more yeah and yeah. not catastrophize it yeah and actually see it for what it is yeah okay classically I see this often a childhood survivor of domestic abuse yeah. and you've never had any space to think about that so you carry that yeah. with you I think I only realised that in the last maybe five years. And I think it makes you frightened that you're going to turn into your father. Yeah. Uh, which you you can't and you won't because you're not that person. But you need to free yourself up from that so that your daughter, she doesn't have to get any of that. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not really about her. It's not really about the wrong curry powder being brought home. It's not really about whatever's happened in your working day. Yeah. It's about a sudden fear of a loss of control, which links back to a really terrifying time in your life when you were little. Yeah. I think you need to sleep better. Yeah. I think you need to exercise and and I think value that space. Just do something for you. I think you'll find it incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to talk about just now was to give you some strategies for managing the anger. Yeah. What kinds of things do you try and do when you feel yourself getting really angry? Problem is I normally try not to say anything until there's a list of things. And then you blow? Yeah. Okay. When you look at that list, are they all pretty inconsequential? Yes, it's never anything too major. Just irritations? Yeah. And how much do you think your partner sometimes doesn't do enough because you have not allowed him to believe that he can do things because you like to be so controlling that you tend to do everything anyway. He says that to me all the time. Mm. So he, he said to me before, I'm, I make him anxious when I let him do something because he's so worried he's going to get it wrong and then I'm going to go mad at him. So You need to learn to delegate yeah. and he needs permission to have time and space with his daughter to do things his way. Yeah. And you need to be able to feel okay with that and not feel scared 
remember the word you used when I said, what about your partner doing more? And you looked at me and you went, that feels really reckless. Yeah. It would also free you up. If you don't feel like you have to do everything, then it's a win-win. He gets time with his daughter to do things his way and you get time for yourself to recharge your batteries. Yeah. From an anger management point of view, my advice would be you could just keep a little list every day or a little journal, things that, you know, when you say it's that list that builds up. Maybe if you write them down as you feel them and then just ask yourself a question, like you said at the beginning of our conversation just now, I need to get more of a perspective. Yeah. How important is this? And if it's not important, you cross it off the list. And if there are things on the list that do feel important, then you think about how you can have a conversation with your partner. Hey, can we go for a walk? When she's in bed, can we just, you know, sit down, have a drink? There's a couple of things I want to talk through with you. So it becomes a conversation rather than you store it up and store it up and store it up and it becomes a bomb that then explodes. Yeah. Sometimes if we keep a journal, it's quite a useful way of self-checking. Yeah. And saying to yourself with each one, is this a fuck it shit happens moment or is this a, no, actually, I think I do need to talk to him about this and maybe there's something that I'm doing that's causing a problem here, so let's try and work it out. Because you are a good partnership, aren't you? Yeah. I think when you feel that you're about to lose it, my advice is walk away. Just say to him, look, I'm trying to manage my anger, which I know comes from anxiety. So if I feel it's coming, I'm just going to go and get some air. It's really important so that you can then just breathe, bring your anxiety levels down. There's some really good apps. I don't know if you've heard. There's an app called Headspace. There's another one called Calm. There's another one called Clear Fear. These are all apps that are for people who can get these sudden spikes of anxiety. Yeah. You've just got somebody just kind of talking you through your breathing, talking you through settling your mind and just ground yourself in the moment. Yeah. Mindfulness is what that technique is called. Because fundamentally, when we get angry, we flip from our rational brain into our emotional bit of our brain. And what these apps and audio, they're really good at, it's like having, kind of like having a therapist with you, just talking you down. Have a look at all the different, there's fantastic apps out there. Yeah. And just take a breath, pause, bring down the heart rate, settle the breathing, get the oxygenated blood back into the front of the brain so you're thinking rationally again, and then decide. Okay. And I know you can do it, because now you understand why you do it. Yeah. I know you can do it. Anything you want to ask me or anything you want to say before we finish? I just think this has been very uh, insightful and helpful. My husband's going to be very happy <laughs> when I talk to him later about some of the things. You look very emotional. What, what's made you feel tearful as we finish? just think I've never really understood why I'm like this. I just thought I was a bit of a crazy bitch, <laughs> to be honest. Not at all, Brian. Um But now you know why. Yeah. And uh, if you look after that bit of you, then... You'll be an even better mum than you are already and you're much better than you think you are. I just want you to stop being so tough on yourself. Yeah. I know parents who aren't necessarily up to the job of parenting when I meet them. And you are so not that woman. Thank you. She's very lucky to have you. Thank you. Oh, sweetheart. Hi. You're right. <laughs> 
I was crying listening to you. I mean, you're right. Yeah. It's sort of that was a big chat, and to be honest, when I chatted to you earlier, I mean, I'm an idiot, but I just thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know if they'll have stuff to talk about because you were like, yeah, it's you know, just babies one, but then. All of this other stuff came. Just came out, yeah. Are you happy you came? I'm really happy. I've never really had a chance to talk through all that, so it's nice to get a perspective. And also, I, I, we can both go sit here crying, yeah. but also there'll be people listening. You will have helped so many people who will go, oh, I mean, I didn't even know which way it was going, but the minute Tanya said, you're just going back to the little girl... And she wasn't looked after. And yeah. it was incredibly moving to hear. And I think your husband will be happy, won't he? Yeah. Because you've had this chat. And did you love the boxes? I love the yeah. boxes. Yeah, Shit happens I need the boxes. Fuck it. We all know. <laughs> I didn't know about the boxes. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, so, honestly, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Do you feel all right? You feel strong? I feel, yeah. Much more, so much more in control. Good, <laughs> but in a good, in a good way. In yeah. a good way. Who are you going to phone first? Yeah, definitely need to talk to the Mister. Yeah, and the main message. I know there's a more important message, but I do want you to tell him from me that he can get whatever curry powder he likes. <laughs> okay, do you love promise? That. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Garam masala, mild, hot. He's in the shop. Let him choose. Yeah, and also. If you're upset with his curry powder, that's also fine. Yeah. But you might just have to go into another room, do some breathing. Anyway, however you do it. But I really hope that you've loved today. I have. Thank you. I think Charlotte had no idea what was going to come out of that session. And I'm incredibly happy for her and her husband, if that's not a weird thing to say. I think that she was... A different person, I don't want to exaggerate, but she felt to me totally different from when I first saw her till after. I feel really sad when I meet women like Charla because you see the burden of guilt and responsibility they carry for a legacy that they were not responsible for. And when you're a child in an abusive an aggressive household, you know, children often normalise that. It is just what it was like. And as she said, you know, back when she was a kid, it was less openly talked about. And also her mum put on a show that everything was fine, like she does. Yeah, that's right. And then, of course, she behaves in ways when she gets anxious and she gets angry, she then is terrified she's perhaps turning into her father. And this isn't about judging her parents. It's not about judgment at all. I mean, if, if anything, it's it, it's about releasing her from her own self-judgment because she's so self-critical. Yeah. Like every working mum, you know, or non-working mum, she's trying to do her best. Yeah. But if we spend our time only focusing on what we should be doing and we could be doing and might have been better, we just lose those magical moments and life just passes in a blur of anxiety, unhappiness and exhaustion. And I think if I've helped her free herself up from that just by understanding yeah. why she finds herself reacting in the way she does, I hope she gets better sleep and she does a bit more exercise, um, then I feel really pleased that I've had the opportunity to talk to her. When I came in afterwards, she was in tears and she just said, I always knew about my childhood, but I, it, 
I never thought it affected the way I behaved. And I imagine most of us, all of us, maybe walk around like that. Yeah, and you can see why this lovely man that she's married to, who obviously, you know, cares deeply for her and and for their child, how just a simple mistake, whether it's not cleaning the bath properly or bringing home the wrong curry powder or whatever, triggers this sense of not being looked after. You know, there's just this sense of things not being right and a lack of control. And also, I think she makes the mistake that a lot of, of women do in relationships where we're so controlling that we can't allow our partner any space to yeah. to be involved and then resent our partners for not being involved. And then if they do get involved, we resent them for not doing it in the way we would have done it. So as my mum once said to me, you know, you want your partner to do more, do less. Yes, that's excellent advice. That's right. Anxiety is pernicious, you know. It just kind of, it can sit behind so much of what we do in a way that's really unhelpful. Yeah. Often people don't recognise that rages actually come from anxiety and I think for her to understand her anxiety is for her to free herself I think in a way and to give herself a break yeah just don't sweat the small stuff but when we gave her a cuddle today we just said just you know she doesn't talk to anybody the same way she talks to herself which is you're an idiot you've messed up no 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 you're doing it all brilliantly actually sometimes even if you're not doing it brilliantly it doesn't matter because if our children can't learn from us that the world isn't perfect and that sometimes the people they love the most, their parents, are imperfect, how are they going to cope when they leave us? Yeah. We can't always get it all right and that's okay. Yeah, but also the answer, we know this, is they should never leave us. And without... Claudia, I really need to help (laughs) your children. I need to help them leave you. Yeah, we'll do that at a different session. A different session. Yeah, thank you. That's all right, my love. Also, before we go, I just want to say that if you want free episodes of this podcast, why not? Please hit the subscribe button. You'll find it there somewhere on the screen, I think. Plus, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, comment, share, make a hoo-ha. It makes us very, very happy and it sort of spreads the word. If you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email parenting at somethingelse.com. That's parenting at something without a G, else.com. Next time we meet Lydia. There's one thing you haven't told me? Yeah, so I just want to, because maybe it will bring maybe a little bit more perspective to as to why um, I maybe am going to feel this way of loss. And it makes a lot of sense because... Like, lost my parents, lost, obviously, my partner, you know. And then also, um, I had another child um, when I was 16. Right. And I gave her up for adoption. Oh, wow. This podcast was possible with the help of lovely people at Something Else. The sound engineer is Benjamin Lincoln. The mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Hannah Talbot. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackerman. Thank you very much for listening. We're incredibly grateful. Also from something else. Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. 
Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people who have triumphed over adversity, with guests including Fern Cotton. And what about when you get really lazy journalism? So like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context, and that's really sad because... It is, it is. And I've also been on the receiving end of it so, Mm. so many times. Sometimes to really tragic levels for me where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah. Zoe Sugg and Nadia Hussein. I think the the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. Mm -hmm. I I I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of that and I think that's why just it's really hard sometimes because in the last four years I've changed so much. Mm. Listen now in Apple Podcasts Spotify and all good podcast apps.